I never had an entrepreneurial like bone in my body from what I what I knew. I was very risk adverse. My my parents growing up were very risk adverse, right? They're like, hey, you know, study, get a good job, and work for somebody. Become right? a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> in in the first six months, I, I would still randomly wake up and think, did I make the right decision? Right? Did did I make and I and I know this exists with practice owners. They take out all this debt, they get excited about it, they go through the build-out process, now the doors open, and the number of patients that they thought would show up have not shown up. So then they start to question. One day you guys build AI, which is a fancy word in mm-hmm. dentistry, right? Yeah. Like, and that just like plugs in into the practice management, goes through all of the patient and just identifies like a list of a hundred. So we're actually trying to work with a couple of the companies that already exist, right? So yeah. there's there's Overjet and there's Pearl. Yeah. Um, those are the two that we've probably had more conversations with and, and we're they're great platforms. Take two. Take two. <laughs> Sometimes this equipment surprises us, but in any case, uh, Santosh again, it's super exciting to be here. Um, uh, we briefly talked uh, when we got introduced through Jay DC Dental, uh, and uh, it's so interesting to start recording it again, right? <laughs> it's like we take a take two. So the first time we did something happened with equipment, but Santosh and I are going to do the best we can to remember, right? All the wise wisdom we shared, right? Yeah. And try to repeat all the things we said before. Yes. Um, but in any case, um, what what I was trying to say is uh, just what I said in the beginning. Being that long in a dental industry, it's mm-hmm. so exciting to meet people that are uh, just open, open-minded, just like you said, your open book. Mm-hmm. And uh, from the energy that you feel when you meet a person, you just feel it right away that, that you can connect. And then we talked a little bit and then we met together. Yeah. And we discussed, I think we went to this place um, in Plano, Texas, somewhere mm-hmm. here, around here. True Foods. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, True Foods. It was awesome. Uh, and then we decided to stay in touch. And then another part, I think, too, is, um, you know, there are a lot of people in, in the industry. Mm-hmm. And then you connect and you, you grab a lunch, you grab a coffee, and then you're like, hey, yeah, let's stay in touch, you know. And the best you do or the most you do is LinkedIn. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> yes. And then you sign up for some newsletter and then you're like, oh, yeah, that's right, that guy. Yeah. I, I remember. But then was few people you keep in touch, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and then something happens and we sit down and record a podcast yeah. just to talk and, and chat and learn about each other's businesses. And that's what I appreciate. This is not a plug to any of our businesses. I'm right. not trying to plug Zen and um, I'm genuinely curious about your business sure. and what you guys do. And uh, just, you know, from my previous business of building dental offices, now I run a software. Uh, it's fascinating. Uh, that you guys found this um, aspect of dentistry that no one looked at before. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned that it's been done before in healthcare and medical space, but it's not been done in correct in dental. And so I'll let you run with it just to tell us what what it's what the business is. Yeah, and yeah. I would love to hear the story how you guys started. Yeah, so uh, so our business is really providing in-house specialty services, right? So oral surgery, periodontics, orthodontics, endodontics into solo dental practices, you know, group practices, DSOs. Um, we're mainly Texas, Nashville, 
you know, the, kind of the way we got started, at, my, my background's really in the medical space, physician operations, kind of built large multi-specialty physician groups for, for two health systems. Uh, my wife's a general dentist. She had a practice in Houston before we, we all moved back to, to Dallas. Um, but in that practice, she asked me to kind of help her with emergency patients she had. And as she's going through the treatment plans for the patient and, you know, identifies kind of their, their pain, you know, chief complaint, she lets the patient know that, you know, the patient needs to go to an oral surgeon to work on a certain extraction and implant opportunity. So as we're driving home, well, sorry, before that, she tells the patient, you know, we're going to refer you out. And the very first thing the patient says is, well, why can't I do that here? No. Right? Yeah. So, and I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I'm like, in the back of my mind, I, I heard this all the time in the medical space, right? Primary care doctors referring to cardiologists. Most of those patients just weren't going. But when the when the cardiologist is in the same practice, patient compliance goes up, right? It's just convenience. Um, so as we're driving back, you know, I'm asking, I'm just inquiring more about like, yeah, well, why don't you bring, uh, or why don't you do this? And she's like, well, it's a, it's a treatment I don't feel as comfortable with based on training. And she's like, but you know, this is something that the specialists do day in and day out. So why don't you bring specialists in? She goes, oh, it's, it's kind of operations and logistics nightmare sometimes. And so, you know, took a step back and I was like, okay, well, that sounds like an operations challenge, right? Um, so then started to inquire more and more about, is that truly the challenge? And uh, the more we found out, it, it was. <laughs> it, was, it, was truly it truly an ex- is. It's a truly execution game. Yeah. And um, so, you know, that's kind of where the, you know, a lot of the concept. And <clears throat> we, um, we have a... Uh, I was introduced to this with an oral surgeon who was already traveling and kind of had his model and very successful, you know, offices loved him, great patient experiences, but it wasn't something that was scalable, right? And so it needed something that needed really like true operational support. And so, um, you know, we, we took a step back myself and then, you know, some of the, my, my partners, one's a, an orthodontist, one's an operator and one's a technology entrepreneur. We kind of, you know, like our little Avengers, we get together, right? And we start thinking about, okay, how do we build something that enhances the overall patient experience? We're hyper-focused on making sure that we're focused on the right case, right place. We're not trying to do everything. We're just trying to do what's safe, efficient, and consistent. Um, and then how do we take the burdens off the practice, right? So within our business model, um, an office really provides us a referral for the specialty treatment. And then we have a team, you know, an operations, you know, back office that works on the insurance verification, completes the treatment planning with the specialist, contacts the patient and goes over scheduling, collects a deposit, goes over the the expectations of the visit, right? And on the day of, we have our team that's kind of dispatched and deployed where it's the operations front desk, it's the clinical RDAs. We bring all the equipment, we bring all the supplies, I mean, all the way down to gauze because we know exactly what our profile of our specialists are. And so our whole vision is how do we streamline this, integrate successfully, and then be able to kind of step back out so then the practice can continue to do what they need to do, right? Um, So, you know, we started four years ago. First couple years, it was a little struggle. Because a little. yeah, we're trying to understand the pain points. We're getting a lot of pushback from from offices. Uh, this is never going to work. We get a tremendous amount of pushback from specialists that really just viewed our model as a disrespect to their specialty. Um, the more we're able to kind of articulate now 
that we have clinical boards and we have specialists who own their own practices, we've been able to change some of that narrative, right? So some of the perceptions that are out there um, is changing simply because we are committed to preserving the specialty. We, we only have specialists within our within our organization, and so we're trying to send that message of you know we we do agree with the the specialty training. And we're trying to preserve that as as a unit. So you know, with all that said in mind, we still had one big pain point, and our big pain pain point was communication. And so we were emailing and, you know, yeah, we all have encrypted email and and things of that nature, but emailing and it's fragmented emails and it's fragmented communication on which x-rays are coming over, what interoral pictures are coming over. And so, you know, my partner is a technology entrepreneur. He did something like this in the medical world. We built kind of referral to systems and workflow systems. And so, you know, he and a couple of our developers that we hired on have really built a platform for internal use, right? So for the last two years, we've been using this software platform that allows us to really streamline the way we communicate with practices and the specialist to the point where, you know, referral comes in, a specialist can see it on their mobile device and they can swipe left, swipe right, say, yes, I want to see do the case and hear the codes or no, I don't want to do this case. And this is why I think it's not appropriate for this setting. And then they also have full access to the schedule their patients are going to see on their upcoming day, right? So the transparency is there for the specialist. The uh, information availability is there for the specialist on who they're going to see. So we never have to hear, well, I feel like I'm flying blind, right? Because a lot of specialists say that when they were traveling. And then on the flip side, on the general practice, they get to see data on, okay, this is how many referrals we're sending over. This is our case acceptance on these higher revenue cases. Um, here are the patients who haven't accepted, and how do we kind of work together as a team to, to increase that case acceptance? Um, and then also, you know, in the future, maybe they're tracking referrals to say, okay, we're not ready to add maybe an endodontist today, but we keep tracking, and now we know, like, okay, you know, we're hitting 15 referrals a month. We can justify bringing an endodontist in twice a month now, right? So. The software itself has helped us internally onboard and activate practices. And more recently, thankfully, we're actually able to now, you know, license the software nationwide because we're mainly in Texas. Mm-hmm. You know, our, we're operationally heavy in Houston, Dallas, Austin, and then we're also in Nashville. But, I mean, it's it's a heavy lift to have, you know. Why Nashville? It was actually a good. It's a good opportunity. It was a good opportunity to go out Nothing there. Nothing against Nashville. Yeah, I love Nashville. I love Nashville. Nashville is a great city. Um, it was a good opportunity where a, a, a you know, group of practices were out there and they had orthodontists and they needed some structure around it and some support. Um, so that's kind of what took us out there initially, right? And you know, we're blessed to kind of have good you know specialists that are willing to take on the opportunity. That's kind of yeah. That's kind of how we we got out there. Um, I know it's it's odd, right? Everyone right. has the same question. Texas like Houston, Dallas, and we're in Nashville. And Nashville. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And in the beginning when you said uh, uh, we're in Texas, Nashville, I'm like, wait, is Nashville? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah, you yeah. caught me off guard for a yeah, second. Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit, you know. It's a, but if it's we, Austin if, vibe. Yeah. If we take a pause here, just I don't want to miss the, the story. Like as an entrepreneur, I started two businesses. Mm-hmm. Three, one failed. Uh, but um, what's the journey? Like you and your wife, you have that oh, patient, yeah, yeah. right? So the patient says, why can't you do it here, right? 
then you get in a car and what's the what's the conversation yeah so that conversation is really just exploring like well, why not well why can't like what's the reason you know and were you asking or your wife I was, was asking. asking i was asking because i just didn't understand it right because i didn't because i didn't know the dental industry well enough right and so I'm, i kept asking well why well, why isn't that common you know but we know that you know walmart added a pharmacy why did they add a pharmacy because they wanted patients their their customers or to stay in one place for everything, right? Right. Um, why are these large health systems, well, it's Kaiser Permanente, why are these large health systems bringing in multi-specialty providers? Because they know there's an ecosystem there to, of care. And so I just, it was hard for me to understand why uh, the dental industry didn't have that, right? So then take another step back and realize the dental industry does have that. They have that at the highest, like, DSO level, right? So right. large DSOs have the the ability because they have enough density of practices to hire a full-time specialty team, right? So it made sense for them. But what about the solo and their group practices? Right. You know, they they kind of missed out on that opportunity because, you know, it's hard to hire. You can't hire a full-time specialist if you have one practice, right? And then who's going to manage that coordination and the scheduling and things of that nature? So those groups and practices kind of missed out on, you know, that retention opportunity. Um, but how do you level set that, right? And so right. it's kind of like you know developing a marketplace, right? So like, okay, maybe this one XYZ office doesn't have enough uh, uh, need for a full-time specialist, but these six offices combined do. And how do we then you know piece it together and schedule it appropriately and, and create that infrastructure? Right. And then we learn more and more about specialists coming out. Um, so most of our specialists are between two to 25 years of, of post-residency experience, right? But, you know, they're coming out with a tremendous amount of debt. And so they're always looking for ways to moonlight and add a couple extra days per month, right? And just add a little extra income, consolidate their existing schedule and work a little bit more that kind of makes more sense economically for them, um, while also not having to take on the full burden of human resources. Right. right? Hiring yeah. employees, building a practice, they're already five, six hundred thousand dollars in debt, and then go take out another three quarter million dollars to go build a practice. Yeah, if not more. Yeah, exactly. It, in addition to then not only just having the infrastructure of the practice, but now actually going trying to earn all the referrals, right? Right. So it's a, it's a big it's a big lift, and sometimes it creates a lot more stress on people, right? And they're like, okay, when do I get out of this cycle of debt? Um, and, you know, it wasn't really an issue like 15, 10, 15 years ago where, you know, a, an oral surgeon coming out of school, $200,000 of debt, whereas now it's like $500,000. That's a substantial That's a difference, right? Mm -hmm. um, or a periodontist, you know, endodontist. I mean, the, the amount of debt that they're coming out with, they want to hit the ground running immediately and start earning income, right? Because the loan payment's coming in, right? Right. And then they want to live, right? I mean, they, they were living as miserly as they could for so long they now want to like have a house and you know have a decent car and have a family. All those things cost money, right? Right. And so, um, so they want to find efficient ways to to earn income. Right. I just I, again, I want to get, I want to stay here for one more second because yeah, yeah. I love entrepreneurship. I yeah. love how ideas are born. Right. For me, it's fascinating. We're even sitting in a room. And right behind you is the whiteboard. The whiteboard. Right? Oh yeah. So I love whiteboards <laughs> and. Um, so you and your wife, you talk, yes. and then who was your first call? 
that you made? Yeah. So, so one of my partners, um, you know, he knew an oral surgeon, uh, that was kind of doing this independently on his own great experience. Right. Um, and you know, he was saying, Hey, do you think that this is in, in my conversation with them? Like, do you think this is a viable option and let's go explore a little bit more and just do some research. Right. So I was still working my full-time job, uh, in the medical space, but I'll taking weekend and night phone calls and just to learn. Um, I actually remember I took a, a PTO day to go attend a dental conference in Houston, right? Wow. Just to ask the questions as I'm walking around. Like, you know, I think part of the entrepreneurship side is, is really not telling people what you're doing, but more understanding the pain points that exist, right? What are the problems that exist? Um, and then eventually coming up with solutions to those problems, right? And, and the funny thing is like, I never had an entrepreneurial like bone in my body from what I what I knew. I was very risk adverse. My my parents growing up were very risk adverse, right? They're like, hey, you know, study, get a good job, and work for somebody. Become right? a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> Just work for somebody, get a inc- good income. Um, and so that was kind of the mindset was like, okay, well, you know, got my my undergraduate, got my master's, I got MHA, MBA, I work for the large health system. And I, did, I felt comfortable, but I always kind of had this feeling like I wanted to do something to bet on myself, right? And so, um, and I've been so fortunate that uh, my wife was, uh, you know, supportive in that, right? Where you take a step back, it's like, you know, I always kind of refer to like changing lanes. Sometimes you got to slow down to change lanes before you can speed back up. And so that's essentially what I had to do, right? We had to stop, you know, what I was doing in the medical world pause, try to build this business and then start to grow faster. Did you have to make any sacrifices? Oh, we made a lot of sacrifices. Like yeah. Cut I mean, down? Financially, like, I mean, our savings starts to, you know, get cut because you're pulling from your savings, right? When, when you have an income stream and then you no longer have the income stream because you're trying to build this business and then like, you know, you're pulling from your own pocket to pay for like, you know, I just, who knows what? Oh God. I remember like in, you know, back in my, in my, my health system days, there was lavish dinners and, you know, meetings with people and all the time. And, and for the first year, I think I wanted to have every meeting at Starbucks, right? Like, yes, I, you know, I, I couldn't fathom actually buying dinner for other people at this point. I was like, coffee, coffee sounds good. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> let's go three dollars americano. Yeah. yeah, let's go be for coffee, right? Like I don't even drink coffee. I drink tea, and like my blood pressure was going through the roof. I was having so much caffeine. Like I was like, this is this is terrible. I need to stop drinking any tea. So, but yeah, I mean that was kind of the entrepreneurial journey first, right? Like I, in in the first six months, I I would still randomly wake up and think, did I make the right decision? Right? Did did I make the, and I and I know this exists with practice owners. They take out all this debt. They get excited about it. They go through the build out process. Now the doors open, and the number of patients that they thought would show up have not shown up. So then they start to question. Who? Like like dental practice owners. Like yeah. when they first start their practice. Right. Right. Like they have that same anxiety sometimes. Yes. And I had that same anxiety. Like, what am I doing? Like I gave up a great opportunity of a career. You already quit at that point. I already quit. Yeah. Like I quit. And you didn't have your first uh, office onboarded yet. No. No. Wow. Yeah. Because we were still learning, right? Yeah. Like, cold turkey. Yeah. Completely. Or burn bridges. Yeah. Whatever they yeah. call it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best. It was, you know, but it was like, but I had to. I had to make sure I was dedicating time. Um, 
it does force you to learn faster, right? Like, I mean, there's a part of that grind that's important. Um, but I think everyone always, you know, f- has this sense of like, oh, you're an entrepreneur, you know, things must be great. You work your own schedule. You don't have anybody to report to. I have everybody to report to. Like every single one of my customers I have to report to, right? Like they're my boss. You know, my specialists are my boss, right? Like if I can't satisfy their expectations and goals, then our company doesn't exist, right? And so, you know, I think there's a the, there's a false narrative that like, you know, being an entrepreneurship is like glamorous initially, right? Like I'm sure there is, I'm still waiting for that day where it, it becomes really glamorous, but this journey has been great, you know? I think the journey is glamorous. I've learned so much about what I can't do. <laughs> Um, and what I thought I was good at, I realized I'm not as good right. at uh, the things I didn't think I was good at. I actually ended up, perf- you know, excelling in. Um, so yeah, so you know, definitely wouldn't take it back for for a moment and going through this journey. It, it does test you mentally, right? I mean, it tested you emotionally and uh, spiritually. But ultimately, I think you know, you surround yourself with the right kind of people um, who have the right kind of energy, right? And you vibe off of that energy, and you just continue to grow. That's amazing. Um, till so, you've been four years in, in, into this journey. We have. Mm-hmm. What was the bottom? If you had a bottom. Uh, the, yeah, no, we did. Um, the bottom, I would say, was getting close to the end of the first year, when you know we're sitting there thinking, okay, how are we? It's always a payroll question, right? Like, like everyone always has that. We know that we have revenue. But, ha- but it's AR. So the, the payments haven't come in yet, right? So our clients, we've served them. We've paid our specialist. And we are paying our, our team members, but we haven't got the revenue yet, our payments from our clients yet. Not that they're late. It's just that the way that the timing works out, you sit there and look at, okay, we have, uh, we have to make payroll. <laughs> like, how are we going to do this, right? So you start scratching and clawing and figuring out, okay, how are we going to do this? And... You manage, you figure it out. And then yeah, the, your salary goes out the door first. Oh, there's, yeah, there's, right. I mean, honestly, like for the first six months, there is no salary, mm-hmm. right? Like you're, you're just putting every time and just sweat in, right? Just trying to figure it out. Um, and then, yeah, you're always paid last, right? Across the board. Um, but yeah, that was, you know, I, I would say that's probably the, the scariest part. And, and it's not because, um, so I take this like, pressure on myself, right? And I probably shouldn't, but I do. But as a business owner, you not only impact your your own family within, you know, your business decisions, but you're impacting a lot of other people's families, right? And so if you can't figure out your organizational structure, if you can't figure out how you're going to continue to grow successfully, then you have to make really tough decisions for team members that have brought a lot of value to you um, and have done so much for you, right? And so I take that pressure on like, okay, well, we're going to figure this out because we don't want them to stress because if they stress and their family stress and we don't need any of that. Right. And so that was kind of the, my initial thought process of like, this is getting real, right? Like it's not just me, like it's not just my income. That's, you know, that I got to figure out your family. Right. Yeah. I actually not just have to figure out what we're going to do for our family, but we got to figure out what, you know, how we can make sure we protect everybody else. Um, and thankfully, like, man, we live a very like miserly lifestyle, right? Like we, we're not trying to keep up with the Joneses. That's never been our approach. 
we do love to travel. That's something we, you know, with family and kids, like we enjoy that part of it. But, you know, it was, it was easier for us than I would say others mm-hmm. to, you know, kind of survive the, the way we, we did it because, you know, we didn't, we didn't need all the really lavish things that wasn't as important to us. That's amazing. Um, and I assume as, um, as you start a business, right, any business, when we started, we, took, we, we got a lot of pushback. And you mentioned you had a pushback. But what, are, what were some misconceptions that, that you're trying so hard to relate to people, to explain to them, and, and it just seems like you just can't get through them? Yeah. To explain, like, you no, know, you, you got it wrong. Like, mm-hmm. what were some of the misconceptions? I think part of it was our fee structure. Right. Okay. So there's a perception that you can bring in a specialist in for 50 percent and that's all it cost. Right. Um, our fee is about 65 to 70 percent. But what and I used to be before all this, I was a high school math teacher. Right. So I, I thought, OK, well, let me educate everybody on it. You're not paying just 50 percent. You're also paying your your team salary. Right. You're also paying for some of the supplies. You know, you're definitely playing for part of the you know implant and a part of the regenerative. And I go. So when you put pen to paper, your 50% is actually closer to 60%, right? Maybe 58%. Yeah, we're paying, you're paying a 65%. So there's a 7% difference in maybe the management component. But, you know, to, to sit back and think like, oh, I can do this for 50%. That was, that was like, that was difficult pill for me to swallow early on. I just couldn't get over it. And then, you know, somebody kind of gave me some guidance that said, don't waste your energy if you've, if you've already kind of articulated it, don't waste your energy in that meeting anymore. Move on to the next meeting. But circle back with those offices, and w- which I did. So I'd circle back with those offices three, four, five, six months afterwards. i say, hey, how's your specialty program going? Because I know you're going to bring someone in for 50%. Crickets. So, well, we haven't started it yet. I said, oh, well, why not? Like, well, you know, we just... It was going to be hard for us to kind of you know coordinate everything. I was like, okay, so for about like seven, eight percent differential, you decided to go with no revenue versus some revenue that you can come in and you know keep your patients within your practice and retention strategy. And and then we realized like that actually you know sometimes people just need longer to to think through their buying cycle, which is fine. Um, my wife, as as a dentist, also told me she goes we're kind of trained to not believe anyone, you know, we're just trained not to believe any vendor. Right. And I said, okay, well, I, I, I respect that now. Right? Like I understand like where, where that's coming from. I was like, I didn't like, I didn't put myself in that vendor category. Right. I was like, but there's no expense to you. You're not having to pay me anything in advance. I'm literally serving your patients and then you pay me three weeks after. Right. So I, I just, I didn't even, for myself, I didn't classify, I, I didn't feel like I classified as a vendor. Right, right. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, so I, see, I see how the perception was. And so that was one of the biggest uh, misconceptions. Other misconception I think that we had from from specialists who are in their practices, they just, they just flat out just thought, you know, without even learning anything about our business, they just thought we're unsafe, right? Um, what would they think that way? Well, because there's probably providers who did this in a very unsafe manner, right? I mean, they didn't have post-op follow-up regi- uh, regimens. They didn't have, you know, you know, like a structure in place. And so there's a lot of things that just weren't, you know, truthfully probably set up correctly. So there is that perception. Um, 
And so what we had to do is kind of change this, you know, the way we presented this. And we said, okay, look, we have a team of oral surgeons. We have a team of periodontists, endodontists, orthodontists. Like you can come talk to them, you come shadow them. Here's our formulary. Here's our crash cart. Here's how we get this tested every three months. This is our, here are our logs for our anesthesia. Like here are steps we're taking to ensure we have, you know, more safety protocols in place, right? Like you can never guarantee safety. Um, but you can definitely take steps towards it. And you know, coming from the, the hospital space, it's all checklists. It's all a lot more rigorous. It's extremely heavily regulated, right? Um, and so, but it's all checklist, right? So, you know, there's that book, Checklist Manifesto, right? right. Like it's phenomenal. And it's, it's as simple as everything is checklist. <laughs> and so, and then you have to hold your teams, you know, responsible and accountable to ensuring that we're, we're managing those. And so, but yeah, I mean, the, that was kind of the misconceptions that we're not safe. And then on the other side, we're too expensive, right? So we had to fight both of those, you know, um, that both of those, you know, kind of concerns head on. And, but all it takes is what we found is all it takes is a few customers that become your partners that believe in what you do, that say, that, that have seen the positive experience that the patients have because of it that then become a reference for you, right? And then now it's real. Now you have real real dentists who vouch for you, right? And, and DSOs, like we had a couple of DSOs started with us early on. Thankfully, they just trusted us and they kind of started growing from there, right? And so they would be a reference for us and not just a, not just a reference on like how the business works, but really a character reference, right? They wanna know who are, you, are, are we working with? Is a person like a right, you know, kind of, of mindset? Are they going to try to cheat us? Like, what is it that, you know, what is it about them that makes you feel comfortable saying that, yeah, we're going to go through this journey together? That's amazing. It's, so you're in a very interesting position, similar to us. Um, in order for us to be successful, we need vendors. Mm -hmm. In order for us to get vendors on board, we need customers. Mm -hmm. So you very, it's a very similar model where you do have, offices that need to sign up but in order to get them sign up you need specialists but in order yeah. to have specialists you need to have offices chicken or the egg right yeah so it's a constant chicken or the egg battle right so what we figured out is what we're going to do is we're going to first go build our bench of specialists and we're going to say hey we're going to be in this market 90 120 days we just want to know that you're interested to at least meet the offices once the offices have signed right and, you know, you know the, we've had good success with the specialists, but, you know, after they go through kind of the learning process of our business. And then now we have bios of them, right? And then when we go to the GP practice, we can show the bios and kind of walk through, like, this is who they are. We can set up a meet and greet. And then it becomes real. It's not fake anymore. It's not like, oh, you have all these specialists, right? No, like, we actually do. Like, here are the bios. Let's sit down and talk to who, who would you like to talk to? Let's let's find who's a good fit for your practice, right? Right. Um, so the, yeah, but it's a constant chicken or the egg for us. Too. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned the one of the misconceptions: the prices are too high. I can totally see it. Um, sometimes people look at a penny to when when they're losing a dollar. Mm -hmm. And uh, can we dive into the numbers? Like, what are the numbers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You like our fee right. structure? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like. Um, open book, you know, I go through this when we meet with clients. So our fee is somewhere between, <coughs> somewhere between 65 to 70% of the adjusted production, right? And 
that include that's a full comprehensive you know fee. So that includes the specialist, all their taxes, all their you know um, uh, uh, supplies, all their equipment, all of the uh, RDA's uh, expenses, our operations team, treatment coordinators. Um, that are calling patients on behalf of the practice, our insurance verification teams, every single step of this process, our developers. 65 to 70%. 65 to 70%. So, so in an office, yeah. Yeah, so an office, like a, let's say a $10,000 a day, can still walk away with $3,500 yeah. $3, once a month of profit. Right. Right. Um, and yeah, we use a couple of their chairs. But a lot of times we're, we're in their offices on days that they're not either using their chairs at the full capacity or they're not even there at all, right? Yeah, you probably don't even need the doctor there. We don't. Uh, it's, it definitely helps the patient experience side if the doctor's available and they can just kind of pop in and say hi as you know, the patient's having this treatment done. But it's not necessary. And there's many offices. We actually are the only ones in the practice, right? Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, $10,000 production day, they walk away with $3,500. And you, you kind of think about, like, what does that $3,500 mean for a practice? I mean, that's almost a, another employee, right, that you can bring onto the practice. That's more money into marketing for the practice Definitely. to kind of grow their practice, right? That's more staff incentive bonuses uh, potential to retain their teams, right? Um, there's just there's investment into a CBCT or a scanner. There's technology. This is all because of incremental revenue tied to your existing patient base that you would normally refer out. Well, well, you would refer out a hundred percent. You would not normally yeah. collect any of that. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And then you probably, I mean, you can be a, a solid like an on ramp for some of the offices that want to get into the specialty, right? So use the same $3,500 to go and take all the C's in the world, you know, like, right. and then become the specialist and then gradually, or however you want to do it, but essentially go and dive yourself into providing specialty. Yeah, so we actually, I mean, that's a great example, right? So we actually do have some offices where the general dentist is taking implant courses, right? Um, but they call us and say, hey, we'd like for you to come in and place implants for us, but understand that at some point, I plan on doing all of it, right? We're like, okay, that's fine. That's let's, awesome. Let's, let's build this together. So a lot of times, and you know, just because, this, just because a dentist goes out and takes implant courses on placement does not mean that they've had like the practice and the role play of talking to the patient about the benefits of having the implant. Like, Placing the implant requires for you to first get case acceptance, right? So what we loved being about, able to sell it, being able to sell it, right? So what we loved about this was the general dentists were going through the motions of talking to the patients about it, walking them through the benefits, and they're able to see what's working, what's not working, and then we're there just to place a, place implants. And then over time, you know, and there's there's one in particular. He got a, you know, he has a CBCT, has a, a Itero, and has a 3D printer. So he wanted to build his own surgical guides. And, you know, we used to go there once, I think, once every two or three weeks um, at their practice for a half day, place implants. And then it got to the point where we go there once every six weeks. And we just stack a full day of a little bit more compl uh, complicated implants, right? But, you know, that was still a journey of like 18 months working with that practice. And so, 
we all understand like up front we knew what the expectations were and we're okay with that the specialist was okay with it because they knew as well like okay it's so we're going to have a lot early on and towards the end we'll go find some other offices we can serve right and so right just have open honest conversations there's no reason to hide around it just right i mean the i remember the the dentist would actually come in on the same days that the periodontist was working and just observe and watch and it's actually great because like a collegial responsibility like you know this this relationship wouldn't normally you know exist right but if you can have some honest discussion about what you're doing then it can work right it takes an abundance mindset it does right it fully 100 percent does yeah and it's hard sometimes for some people but you know one of probably the aspects of your business that's fascinating is you get all these specialties i mean you, i'm sorry you have all these specialists mm -hmm. right working together they're not necessarily working together at the same time at the same office but right. you have a group of special you mentioned close to 50. correct right. right do they ever get together do they ever like have like a like i don't know masterminds or a day of like clinical research or something like that so we haven't done so we do social events typically because we're on different markets right so we'll have each market we'll have social events um we, we're actually trying to plan some some charity work and activity as well um we just have to isolate which kind of general practice we're going to work with but you know the it's a like-minded specialist um you know i think obviously everyone wants to make sure it's good use of their time financially right but many of them also want to have um that value that they're giving back to the community as well and so that's that's been a blessing that for the docs we're working with and kind of the beauty is like we don't have to work with everybody right, right? and everybody doesn't have to work with us and that's okay um we put our cards on the table and see if we're a good fit and if we're a good fit let's let's get this thing going right but if we're not a good fit it's okay you know right. just, there's other you know other operators for them and there's other specialists for us and um, I think the main thing is we just need to be open and honest. You know, we're not perfect, and we never try to say that we are. We make mistakes, um, but I think we learn from those mistakes, and we make effort to continue to improve from those mistakes. And I think that's what we found the most specialists have, have experienced in the past that has burned them. They feel that sometimes nobody's listening to them, mm. right? And so we're trying to listen. We're trying to improve. And, you know, we, we try to demonstrate that, like, this is how we're trying to improve and kind of walk through the steps of that. That's amazing. And then while you're building this business, which was probably not enough for you, and then <laughs> you decided to build software. a software business, yeah. which is incredible. Well, the software happened because of COVID, right? Oh, so that's right. We, we had nothing else to do. That's uh, right. <laughs> so while, uh, well, you know, I still, you know, COVID was a blessing in disguise. I know, I know there's, you know, many people who lost loved ones during this period of time. And, you know, it's very, very unfortunate. Um, and when I think about kind of that time frame, I have two little kids, right? They loved that period of time where the world shut down because they, we got to spend quality time at home and we ate dinner and breakfast and lunch. You know, I can't remember the last time I've been able to eat three right. meals at home with them. Right. right? Um, and so, that was great for us to have kind of that quality time. And it was also great because it allowed us to have some reflection in the business. And, you know, our business was a little bit insulated, right? Because we don't own practices. So we didn't have this an enormous amount of reoccurring expenses. Our only expenses were really team members. So 
that was like the call center and DAs and right. Yeah. So we had some call center members and we we're still building at this time. Right. But we had some call center members and some dental assistants. Um, but we were able to capitalize on the PPP funds and bring people back pretty quickly. But we didn't have this, you know, per location, $5,000 rent expense, right? That is sitting above our head. Like, that's, that's hefty. And so we were able to sit back and say, okay, well, how can we like work on the business? You know, and we knew our biggest opportunity was like our communication, like our efficiency. So my partner who's a tech entrepreneur, he's already, he's already had like a framework in mind. It was now time to go like jump on it. And we had time to like brainstorm and talk through it. And, and so that's where we kind of built the software. Um, I would never say I'm like a software person, right? I realized that, you know, the more and more I get involved in the software space, I, I get more excited about like the pain points it addresses, you know? And so, yeah, I don't think any of us, uh, there are many people in the dental space now I'm thinking about that are not necessarily software people, have great friends, and um, even the ones that built businesses, sold businesses already mm-hmm. in the short amount of time. And they would never consider themselves as a tech entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs. What you mentioned in the beginning, mm-hmm. you never consider yourself as an entrepreneur. Oh, yes. That's exactly the same thing. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't think I'm risk. I'm very risk averse. Mm-hmm. Most entrepreneurs are like the true <laughs> ones, you know, like, right. But you look at the risk differently because a lot of times most people would look at the risk today mm-hmm. at the moment, have a job or have this business. Right. Right. But I think a lot of times people like you and I would look at the risk 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. What would today feel like? Right. And that's the risk that we're trying to evaluate right. and, and, and run against that risk. Mm-hmm. And so same thing, like starting a business for me was not necessarily that something was wrong today. I just knew it was going to be a bigger risk in the future. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think that's what pretty common. Well, yeah, because, I mean, if you think about allocating 10 years of your life into a business and, it, and you don't have that, that, you know, payoff that justifies your 10 years, that's a huge risk on like, just not you personally, but family. Exactly. Right? Like you're, you're, you're investing, you're betting on yourself and you have others betting on you right. to make sure that this works for everybody. Right. Yeah. But I think sometimes that also skews the mindset of, well, okay, we're going to cut corners just to kind of go faster. And that hurts and that creates like reputational risk. Right. And so that was always one core focus of mine is to understand that I don't need the Rolls Royce and that's not kind of my lifestyle. I want to be able to kind of build something that has a purpose within the industry. Um, it's going to be disruptive, right? There's going to be some folks who don't like what I do and that's, right. and that's my, great. myself and my partners, right? Like they may not like what we do and that's okay. As long as we're not being dishonest and we're not, you know, providing a, a poor experience for patients and I can sleep at night, then I am going to be just fine. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, how did you guys come up with a software idea? I mean, I knew you're solving your own pain point, but a lot of people would just say, well, let's use spreadsheet and let's hire a bunch of people and let them run the spreadsheet. You went in a different route. No, so we had the spreadsheet and we still couldn't figure it out. Okay, that's great. <laughs> we had the spreadsheet. We thought we'd figure it out with the spreadsheet and then we realized... Uh, no, it's still not, it, you know, one person can hit delete and the whole spreadsheet's it's you know, gone, wiped, right? Yeah. And so it's like, okay, so that doesn't solve the pain point. And so we, uh, but again, my, my partner's done this before, right? He built a business in the tech space and he, and he had a good infrastructure and it made sense. 
So the goal was, well, how do we replicate that, right? And um, But really, all we cared about was building this software for us, like just internally. That was it. It wasn't until our existing clients that have practices in other markets that said, hey, can we also use your software? And at first, we're like, well, I don't think, you know, it's not really built for that, right? That was kind of our first response. And then someone else asks, hey, can we use your software? And we're like, well, it's, it's not really built for that, right? someone else asks and then you're like okay well maybe we should just build it for that right <laughs> and so like the market is telling us they want it let's figure that out right and so what we do right now is a full like comprehensive approach to integrating specialty but groups that are now starting to license our software it's allowing them to you know do it yourself the DIY kind of opportunity right and you know, we'll still give guidance on how do you help with case acceptance and conversations and how do you go through case identification. But, you know, leveraging the software still kind of goes back to our core, like, mission of how do we help refer in versus refer out. Right. Does your uh, software integrate with practice management software? So it doesn't fully integrate now. And so we're working with a couple partners that can help build that bridge for us. Um, it's, it's really like a referral form. Uh, that then has different work cues integrated into it, right? So yeah. you think about like an Open Dental, a Dentrix, Eaglesoft, right? So those are just massive databases, right, with all the patient information. But it's not a truly like actionable project manager kind of setup, right? It's, it's a like great Windows database. 95. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a speaking to a, a, a Mac Pro. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so we thought, okay, well, you know, in, in every other industry, it's it's like a workflow, right? You, you have your Gantt chart. Here's your you know, step one, step two, step three. So how come this doesn't exist, um, especially when it comes to something that's so niche as in high revenue specialty cases? How come we don't have that? Uh, and then we need that, right? Because we have different layers that touch different parts of the process. So we just said, okay, we'll just build it this way. And the more we've introduced this to you know, other groups and DSOs and private practices, they've said, yeah, that's a, we, you know, one of the common things is when there's downtime in the practice, the first thing the owners or the operators come to the team and say, hey, call patients. They spend the rest of that half day trying to find the list of patients to call. <laughs> they don't know who to call yet, right? Because they're now fumbling through trying to get this list. So our mindset was like, we're going to have this software that if there is downtime, this list is already here. Like it's, you open it up and there's your list. And, and it even has a, an actual follow-up date. Like here are the dates that you need to follow up with these patients by. Right. right. And it That's triggers awesome. and it lets you know mm-hmm. if you're delayed. And, um, and especially with all this like change in uh, team members within practices, retention's a big challenge with offices. And, and you know, everyone has that, right? But like offices are experiencing it. Well, if somebody's writing something down on post-it notes or loose sheets of paper and they're no longer there, you don't know who was referred out or you don't know who was referred in for, for a case, right? And so you lose all of that. So we wanted to create one simple location. We have a, we have a regional manager for a, one of our clients, Dental Care Alliance, and she said, you know, the reason why I love your software so much is because there's no more worry about the lost sticky note. You don't have to worry about that lost sticky note anymore. Everything is in the system, and we can view it from our phones. We can view it remotely, and we always have full 
like understanding of where we stand with the patient cases. Right. So imagine if like one day you guys build AI, which is a fancy word in mm -hmm. dentistry, right? Yeah. Like, and that just like plugs in into the practice management, goes through all of the patient and just identifies like a list of a hundred. So we're actually trying to work with a couple of the companies that already exist, right? So yeah. there's there's Overjet and there's Pearl. Yeah. Um, those are the two that we've probably had more conversations with and and we're they're great platforms, right? right? Uh, and they're and, and just to, to, to add a quick note, I think they are a true AI. Yeah. I'm talking about in my space, there are companies that right say they're AI, right? Yeah. They're AI, and I'm sitting and scratching my head like, what's <laughs> what would you apply AI for? Yeah, in this area, right? right so right, like, right. that's my challenge. But yeah, these two in your space, that AI is more of like Alexa, right? Right. Alexa is like documenting and transcribing into a spreadsheet. Yes. that's considered AI. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's it's kind of funny, but you're right, absolutely. Uh, Pearl, I know, I know about these guys mm -hmm. um, from Pearl. And it's these impressive. companies, yeah, and then they've been around for a long time before they launched the product, before yeah. they went to the market and said, hey, try this out, which yeah. is incredible. Oh, their R&D is insane. Yeah, mm -hmm. they, I mean, they've had to put a lot of, you know, time and effort and thought process into it. And, you know, like we, we we're, we're, you know, if the office already has one or both or one or the other kind of solution, we can use whatever solution they have. But we definitely think that is a big partner for us is that's to, amazing yeah to determine like okay let's let's start each step right so step one is your ai identifies that this month you have a hundred patients that fall between the ages of 15 to 25 that have wisdom teeth right and so of those hundred patients how many of those patients were referred and then of those referrals how many of those patients were treated right so then you start to actually understand what your conversion rates are across the board and how many patients did you treat ultimately, like in and in project that out, right? Um, so these platforms, you know, it's funny, like, you know, I think sometimes I, I'll speak to some offices and say, oh, I don't know if I wanna spend the 600 or $500 per month um, on that platform. I'm, I'm thinking if we were to, you know, serve your practice and we did one, one implant, would pay for itself. It, it pays for itself, right? One implant mm -hmm. at $2,000, you get 35%, that's 700 bucks. So that, and then you, plus you get the restorative. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's it's a, such a fascinating idea. I don't know who needs who. And yeah. in this case, it might be that you guys both need each other, like Pearl yeah. and Overjet. Yeah, so, you know, they their core focus is on the restorative side of dentistry. Okay. Right, like, and, you know, they're both, Overjet and Pearl, like they're really hyper-focused on helping associates and you know dental dental practice owners just you know identify opportunities of care need and um and kind of leverage that component right so yes they can identify wisdom teeth they're i don't think they've identified yet like missing teeth to the point where we can say okay this is an implant opportunity um but you know i don't think they're that far off right exactly. they're, they're, they have the infrastructure to do it it's just yeah. i'm sure their roadmap is pretty extended um but that helps us um and you know justify like more of kind of their value add to a practice wow it's like a little i mean i can see the whole picture in my head right now oh it's it's a it's a perfect partner the challenges we're trying to figure out who right right <laughs> and so. both have incredible story i just thought about the overjet i read somewhere uh i think it's i think um 
it's a female founder mm -hmm. over Jill. Yeah, yeah. And she was uh, AI or something at MIT. She was, yeah. Right? Warda. Mm -hmm. Right. And then she just, she went to the dentist and something happened at the dental appointment when she came back and she just built this whole thing. Oh, I, I didn't hear, I actually didn't hear the full story. Uh, the I read it somewhere. Story. Is it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, just just conceptually, I mean, what they're doing is is going to change the industry. That's right? amazing. It's, I, I equivalent it to like the scanner, mm -hmm. right? Like like you know, Tarot, you know, Three Shape, all those scanners, and how it's really kind of changing the landscape of how you know dentistry is provided. Right, or Sarek back in the days. Sarek, yeah, mm -hmm. and so it's it's the same kind of concept um, where patients need to see it. Right. You know, at least with the scanner on Tarot, you can put it on that Tarot and then, you know do the smile correct, and they get to see what their smile could look like. And yeah. Here with the AI, they can see like, okay, this is where you know there's some something that pops out, right? Just like when you go to mechanic, right? They're like, here's your red, here's your, right. here's your green. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think there's there you know that's going to transcend the yeah. industry. Um, what gives you goosebumps mm. in your day to day life? So one of, you know, one of my, my, my team would kind of laugh about this, but one of my favorite things to do, uh, when I was like really heavily involved, like the day to day, I mean, I'm talking like I was there before the first employee was there and I'm there at the end was when we're actually escorting out the patients. Right. And at the practice, at the practice. Wow. Yeah. So you were there to, to that point. Yeah. 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 That's like, amazing. Yeah. No, actually I, I like uh, it's, it sounds foolish, but I actually enjoyed that part of it. Right. Because you see like the level of concern the patients, uh, you know, escorts have and parents have coming in because still you know, obviously it's a sedation treatment. Right. And so being able to then escort their little loved ones back and, you know, they're, the level of like ease and comfort and all of that, you know, it's, it's like a, like a proud moment. Right. And then, um, and the other thing that kind of gives us uh, goosebumps is like the way we've been able to grow our existing teams and how we have so many team members who started with us at the very, very beginning, um, and helped us kind of build this business in a direction that like, wasn't really led by us. Right. Um, we started this whole shared services concept because we had an employee who broke her leg from her hip down in a motorcycle accident. Wow. And she was our dental assistant. Is she okay now? Yeah, she's okay now. Yeah, yeah. And so so she was our dental assistant. She calls us and says, Hey, I can't I can't work. We're like, Oh, is everything okay? Like, uh, you know, I have a cast on my leg. I I can't stand without a walker. And so, she, you know, we had insurance and she's like, hey, can you, I know I can't work. I'm not creating any hours, but can you please keep me on insurance next month? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like we still, at this point, we still didn't know like the severity of what was going on. Right. So then the following month, her mom calls and her mom's like, hey, can you keep her on insurance another month? And then we'll help pay for that. And, you know, unless there's like a Cobra or something. Like, yeah, we'll like, we're not worried about that. Like, is she okay? <laughs> So she calls and she's like, I just, I'm so bored at home. And she's like, I wish there was something I could do. And I was like, well, I was like, we do have this office that, you know, has all these referrals, but nobody's able to call the patients. Right. I was like, you want to give it a shot and just call them at least make an introduction. Right. So give her, I think it was like 11 patients and then calls us back and she's like, yeah, I got four of them to schedule. 
I was like, what do you mean you got four of them to schedule? She's like, yeah, is there any, is there anyone else you want me to call? I was like, well, hold on. That actually worked. Like that. I'm taking notes. What do you mean? Like that was a, that was a thing that that happened. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, like in her mind, that was like expected. Right. Cause she thought that's what she was supposed to do. In my mind, I was just like, just make a phone call, Yeah, you know, maybe just be proactive, like in that sense. And let's see what happens. It's one of the darts that you're shooting in a wall. Had no idea. Yeah. That alone transcended our business. Right. So an employee that I, I still think about that, and she says it like, like she invited all of her, uh, the founders to her wedding. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. And so she said, she's like, you know, many people would have given up on me. And they said, hey, look, you know, we don't have insurance and, you know, it is what it is. You can't work and you won't be able to work for so many months. And she was only an employee for like a month before all this happened. Right. And so she was like, you know, many people probably would have just given up on us. And but, you know, we believe in karma and we're like, hey, like, right. We're trying to figure this out and we'll we'll work through it. And And you need a lot of karma when you're starting out. Yeah. You know, there's all the bets against you. Yeah. 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 You're putting deposits in. You're also trying to withdraw. Right. (laughs) Right. That is so cool. You know, it's so amazing. Um, Just um, in my business, too, um, uh, we have a person on the team that is just got pregnant Mm -hmm. and one of her questions was like she called me and we were talking and she i was one of the first person that she called and um we're talking through this and uh we already had one person leaving a maternity leave before Mm -hmm. so we already put together a solid policy okay and and the best part about it is at that point um i was married but i didn't my wife wasn't pregnant so it was like recently right yeah and but I have so many team members that either had kids or or in that position that understand what it's like. And so we would all sit down and say, what would be the right thing? Right. And so somebody's like, well, at least pay 50% or at least pay 70%. Sure. And then somebody was like, well, it would be great if we pay 100%. And somebody's like, for how long? Right. And then we have these discussions, right? Sure. And so, and then we decided that de- like what what's our north star for the business mm-hmm. it's very similar to us yeah we talk about to me success is when my whole team gets together and the significant others can get together would come to me or i we catch right yeah. uh, it's not an ego game somehow i met uh, we, we talk and they say tiger your company is absolutely awesome like my wife or my husband just can't wait to get to work mm-hmm. we love what you do Right. To me, that's what I'm trying to build. So when I'm thinking about what I'm building is always goes through that lens. Right. And so um, that we put together a really cool um, program together. We allow people to leave. They get the full, we pay 100% insurance. Yeah, we pay 100% awesome. for their, their leave. Um, guys would get like, I don't know, a month. I don't remember exactly the right. details, but uh, like ladies or, 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 or our woman, ladies that work for us they would get i think up to like five months if they need to oh wow okay yeah so it's pretty extensive but the point is this person now calls and have two experiences going my way my wife is pregnant so Mm -hmm. i know what it's like to be in the first trimester right 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 so and then and then we put together this plan and so we're talking and she was planning to have this kind of rough not a rough conversation already knew me but she didn't know what to expect so she's like this and i'm like what's the problem she's like well i just want to find out i'm like well, 
you do you like yeah. do what's important right, kids right. are awesome like yeah. we encourage <laughs> yes and she's like so what is it gonna look like i'm just nothing will change yeah she was so surprised and my point yeah. is like some of the things are so minor mm-hmm. to us right right business owners yeah but they're so important. big and important to the team members right and and this morning i was with one of our clients with one of our doctors and and it's so easy to be a great leader when things are great right but like you really get tested yeah. when when things like that happen or COVID happens and things like that and you kind of need to put aside the PL and the balance sheet and think about right. the other balance sheet which is your team members it's true and you know like sometimes it doesn't work out right so so you may have some team members who kind of take advantage of it like so i had um you know one of our partners you know i'm probably i'm a little bit more of the softy i'm probably you know like you know the person that people want to ask because they know like oh yeah sure no problem right Right. so they're like well you know like what happens if you have all, all these employees like we're we're like doing all this for and then they come back and they're like leave right and they you know take advantage of the process right and everyone's you're giving them this you're giving them that and then they end up just taking advantage of the full process and so my initial thought process well one if i built enough of a rapport for them i'm not leading by fear i'm leading by guilt meaning i want them to be guilty for thinking that they want to take advantage of the process right Mm -hmm. and so if, if i haven't instilled that level of respect then kind of shame on me, right? Like that, that falls on me. And the other piece is if they do take advantage of me, that's me doing something nice and us as a company doing something nice is not a reflection on us. It's on them. It's on them, right? And I can live with that. I like, look, I mean, the best baseball players still bat like 300, right? Like they don't right. hit every ball. And so we do the best we can and we go down that path and understand that sometimes you're going to swing and miss. That's okay. Uh, you just keep, but you got to keep swinging. Right. Yeah. And I think uh, to your point, I get the exact same question. And I have incredible mentors. And some of the mentors ask me about those things. And I said, well, what would, well, what if this happens? I said, mm-hmm. great. Yeah. They open up the room for better people, mm-hmm. you know, but I already have things in place to attract those people. I don't have to come up with these things. Right. Right. So, and as long as it's genuine, as long as it comes from your heart, that's, that's an amazing thing. That's important. Yeah. I, there's a famous quote and I can't actually remember who said it or where I read, I read it. On, it was on a quote board in an office and it said, the CFO was saying to the CEO, what happens if we invest all this time and money into training and the employee leaves? Right. And I'm the, trying to remember who said that. And the CEO says, what happens if we don't? Right. And they stay. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's like, you're right. We don't want to invest all this time and money. And then, you know, they leave. Yeah, that, that, would, that would suck for sure. But we also don't want to have team members who don't invest any time into getting better. Right. Like, that, right. that's not growing our business. Yeah. And so I'd rather take 100% of somebody for a short period of time than have 50% of somebody for a long period of time. Right. And I will always stay true to that. Like, Turnover is not necessarily a bad thing. If you get the best of somebody for a period of time and they turn over to another person and that person's still giving the best of themselves, then turnover is not always a bad thing. Right. Yeah. That's so cool. I, I love hearing that. that yeah. It's just it's so amazing. Um, what are you looking forward to? What am I looking for? I, so, you know, I talked about like comfort area, right? So I've always been an operator. 
like through and through. And so I'm actually really excited about learning how I can further help support practices by the use of technology, which is very different from what I'm used to, right? So that's something I'm super excited about. I'm excited about like the way the industry, you know, there's always, there's a concern, right? Recession, you know, the way the industry is headed, the stock market, and a lot of people have anxiety about that. But the way dentistry has bounced back in so many different ways. So, you know, 2007, 2008, when the recession hit, dentistry did pretty well. You know, it was, it was somewhat, right. somewhat flat. COVID, I mean, almost every office I talked to would say, oh, we had a record year last year. Right. right. Like 2021. 2021 and 2020, they're bouncing back. I mean, yes, there's a period of time where, you know, depending on which state they lived in, but Texas were back within like six weeks, right? Like so mm-hmm. offices really started, but they were saying, yeah, we're, you know, we're back to where we were projected to end, right? Like even though we had six weeks off, we we're able to make up time and we did okay. So I'm excited about what, you know, the industry is going to continue to prove as a, a stable environment um, as we continue to grow. And uh, I'm also excited about consolidation, right? Like I think a lot of people kind of fear that as a negative. Um, consolidation doesn't mean everyone has to get bought up by DSOs, DSO. right? And there's nothing, there's, there's a lot of DSOs who do really good work, right? And, and their quality is, you know, top tier and patient satisfaction is top tier. And um, But there's going to be a lot of the solo practices that it's in their best interest to partner with somebody for supplies and equipment and procurement and um, HR resources and marketing like so that is going to create its own like GPO kind of infrastructure right that maybe it's not an equity play but it is some type of affiliation and some type of consolidation of of some regard so I'm excited to see how that transcends uh, the industry as well that's amazing Um, what do you look forward personally so I, uh, I'm trying to, I, I work a lot, right? We all kind of work a lot and we travel a lot and, you know. Well, it's six o'clock and we're still yeah. <laughs> here. One of the things I want to continue to do is, um, it just spend quality time with the family on like exploring the world. Wow. Right. So, you know, every time, like we just came back from Alaska, you know, in June, we went to New York and, you know, before we would go to international. All four of you. All four of us. Yeah. So we take our kids on every trip. Um, I, so I never traveled growing up, right? Like our travel was in a van to like family members, right? So I never really got to see the world. And so once I started, once when my wife and I got married, I was kind of, I felt like it was part of the vows. The vows were every anniversary we go on a, in a, an international trip, we got to use our passport. And so which we did pretty much every year and then COVID hit. Right. And, um, but like we would take our kids, we went to Spain, went to Ireland, like we would take them everywhere. And there's so much that can like, it's humbling, right? It's very humbling. You see different cultures you see the environments. And so that's one of the things that I always like to do, like, um, personally is to make sure I'm creating these, these opportunities for them to learn. Right. But for the kids. For the kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for me too. Right. Like, right. Cause I'm learning with You're them. a big kid. Yeah. I'm a big kid. Cause I'm learning, you know, they're seeing stuff for the first time. I'm seeing the same right. thing for the first time. Right. So we will we'll experience it together. Um, so that's, that's something that I really kind of truly enjoy is like, we do work, we work extremely hard, right? Like all of us, you know, everyone involved in, um, 
but like how do we make sure we're allocating some time to be able to unplug and do what we need to do to kind of be part and present of, of you know what's important to us that's amazing yeah um do you have any countries that you're like i gotta visit them yeah, there's so many. Like, we haven't been in Thailand. So, you know, my kids are young, right? So we're also sensitive to how long of a flight that we're willing right. to put them on. But, um, you know, we would love to go to Thailand. We'd love to go to, um, you know, uh, uh, Australia. We'd love to go to Croatia. Um, I heard great things about Croatia. Oh, yeah. So, we're, oh I mean, we're, we're really, really excited about, you know, adding that to the, to the list. And, um, I mean, just we love kind of... Europe, right? Just traveling Europe and the subways are easy and, you know, the trains and, you know, it's, it's just so much easier to kind of get around and there's so much culture there. Um, so it's hard to say, you know, what is your next place? I, I have Croatia on my, my list uh, as my top five of the next places, but because it's a shorter flight too. <laughs> right. Um, even the safaris. Morning, yeah. Safaris. Um, we had one of the offices. I, I need to go in, in Kansas City to interview them. Yeah. Uh, um, an office manager. She no, she's not. She's a practice manager now, or the group manager because she oversees ten or twelve offices. Okay. And so her and I are staying connected, and um, uh, they just went to safari, and she was like, oh, "That's amazing." I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Just yeah. Um, I was talking this morning with one of my uh, the, the same office that I referenced before. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to start like a site podcast. Okay. Uh, to interview people about their life um, advice, marriage advice, and the yeah. kids' advice, because I get so like, just like the feedback, yeah. And I'm, it, it's gonna be purely selfish podcast because sure. I'm just about You're to learning. get it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me everything, right? So like, I would um, a couple of months ago, um, I was in Weatherford, one of my really good uh, doctors, their friends, yeah. uh, Dr. Tom Novak. He was like, uh, he was giving me advice, and it was it was so incredible. I write it down, and it's like it's it's super cool. And then yeah. what you said, traveling with the kids. I'll, I'll tell you, my best advice is uh, you're not going to be perfect, hmm. and accept it, right? Like you you know, your your kids are not going to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect in the parenting style, but you got to learn and grow with it as as it comes through, and stay open minded and and get feedback from others on how to do it. Um, I, I would say I initially it would feel like I would have like a short fuse, like, hey, you know, you should do this, do it this way, right? And then you take a step back, you're like, really? Like in the grand scheme of right. things, is that really important? You know, like, you know, and my wife would tell me, she's like, at some point, you're going to be sad that they're not doing that anymore, you know, because they're going to grow up and they're going to do other things. And so she's like, so embrace it, you know? I think we were talking about like feeding kids, you know? It's like, all right, everyone should be able to feed themselves at this point, right? And she's like, they're going to, and then you're never going to be able to have the chance to ever feed them. So right, that's en- amazing. Enjoy the moments that you can feed them, because at some point they're not going to want you to feed them. Right. It's like, oh yeah, that's true. Or that it's like, hey, sense. go sleep in your own bed. Like, at some point they will, and you know you don't get to yeah. sleep, you know cuddle with them anymore. Yeah, so. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah, I'll remember that too. Yeah, this is awesome. Um, I'm really excited that we connected. Oh uh, man, I, I appreciate you coming down, and you know, I'm excited that we we're able to spend some quality time together. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to build this friendship and. It. anything i can do to help promote the product and yeah. i would love to do that yeah thank you same here you know believe strongly what you guys are doing as well awesome thanks Antonio. all right boss appreciate it <laughs>